How's it going, guys? It's me, George. Just kidding, it's Jimmy. I know, got you all. So funny. Anyway, a couple weeks back, we were talking about changing the day we launched the show because Mondays and Tuesdays are getting increasingly hard for me to record on because I go to a lot of screenings now on those days. So I asked in the Discord, and you all resoundingly said Fridays would be a good spot for us to launch the show. And it turns out that's a great day for me to launch the show. So because it's all about working into my schedule, we're going to launch the show on Fridays now. I also asked for general feedback in the Discord, and you guys said you liked when we talked about other movies in addition to horror movies. So in the weeks where we don't necessarily have a horror movie to talk about, we can fill that spot with another movie we've seen or a different video game we're playing. And speaking of video games, you guys also want us to talk about them more and you want to hear what we're playing and why we like it or why we don't like it. So we're going to do that a whole lot more too. So the three big changes here. Number one, launching the show on Friday. Number two, talking about other movies once in a while. Number three, going to be talking about the games we're playing. Pretty simple. Let's get into the episode. sixth episode of fear frequency that's almost the 666th we're only one digit off yeah <laughs> isn't that crazy we're close to the episode of the beast i thought we would hit 100 by now <laughs> we'll, we'll get there eventually i don't know i don't think we will but anyways this is fear frequency <laughs> it's a weekly horror podcast where george who you just heard talk and i jimmy sit down go over the horror news review a movie or two we have a whole lot of fun here uh if you're a new listener though we'd really appreciate it if you went over to itunes and gave us a five-star review and if you really feel so inclined you can write your own review and we'll read it on the show yeah uh you can also email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com and we'll read those messages on the show as well yeah but so we've gotten a bunch of ratings which we really appreciate that helps out a lot but we would like more reviews because we like hearing from you guys you can also leave like concerns tell us anything you don't like but we won't read that on the show anyways <laughs> we're coming at you this week we'll just improve ourselves with yeah it. <laughs> yeah we'll just like take the feedback and use it accordingly like normal people <laughs> we won't put it up on the wall and you know pay a pri- private investigator to figure out where you live and i'm gonna i'm not gonna incriminate myself here but we're coming at you live this week from new york city we have some news on Child's Play, The Dead Don't Die, Godzilla, and more. In segment two, we're talking about the first two episodes of Joe Bob's show. He reviewed Chud and Castle Freak. So we're going to talk about those. But George, I'm getting an incoming transmission. Dr. Loomis, he's back. It's been a few weeks. It's been a month since we've heard from our boy. It's been a while since we've heard that poor man scream his <laughs> dying breath. But... We got a Halloween alert. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dr. Loomis. Sorry you had to die again, but... so this this is a weird story so the halloween movies website said that they were going to try and dig up this old footage of halloween 5 and piece together this movie once again to make it a good movie (laughs) which i don't think is possible but at least they're trying to find this stuff and it seems that the long lost alternate dr death opening to halloween 5 has finally been found so i heard about this when i did my big video review of halloween 5 last year and there's this whole Dr. Death thing where there's uncut kill scenes, there's a different intro to the movie, and the HalloweenMovies.com website has been trying to dig this up, and uh, a, t- a major f- a major find has been found. Isn't that cool, George? 
Yeah, um, <laughs> I hadn't really heard too much about this Dr. Death opening. Um, I think it's cool that it does exist. I might be able to see a cut of the movie with it, but I don't know how much of the final product it'll actually improve So, overall. George, the guy, the guy who played Michael Myers, he has a quote with HalloweenMovies.com where he basically talks about this Dr. Death intro that people have been waiting to see forever. He says, I was placed on the stone altar and all around the set were things that the production had gotten from witches and people that sell the, sell the occult. I want to meet those people. And there were scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the coolest yeah. part. Let's not, let's not breeze over that. I want to know if these contacts for these witches and people who sell occult yeah, items. What the fuck? Anyways, he says, there were scrolls of different chants and this and that. He's so nonchalant about this. And, <laughs> and suspended from the altar, right above me, was this rock that looked like a stalactite. And it was on a string and it would circle. And Dr. Death was doing an incantation on me. And then he had tattoos. No, and then he tattoos on me the thorn rune, which is the sign of eternal life. And so he does all these incantations, and on Halloween Eve, one year later, I come back to life. So I put on the mask, and I go and grab Dr. Death by the throat, pick him up over my head, and break his back, <laughs> and then put him on the altar, <laughs> and take the stalactite, and I go through his chest with it. I thought it was one of my better kills, but Mustafa Akkad thought it was way too much of the occult type thing, so they decided to shoot it differently. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? They got, they got all this occult shit in Halloween 6, and they're going to whine about it in Halloween 5? They didn't even do it good in Halloween 6. Right. This is upsetting. I, and I mean, just just the fact that we're missing a kill where Michael Myers lifts up a man by the throat over his head and breaks his back, and we've never seen that. Fucking Bane's It's just a tragedy. I want to yeah. see this. <laughs> so the problem is it sounds cool, right? When you read that, it sounds cool in theory. It's like, oh, this could be pretty sweet. But then you right. think about the fact that it's Halloween 5, so you have to look at that, like, fucking stupid mask. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Is it 4 or 5 where he has yeah, a neck? Four is the one where he's built like a it's football like, player. Okay, <clears throat> that's cool. <laughs> where he's got the slick back hair and his shoulders are right at his, right at the end of the mask. I have a few questions. Where it looks here. Like he's got all that extra shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. I want to know why they set out at HalloweenMovies.com to find this footage. Like, wouldn't it be more prudent to dig up the alternate ending to Halloween 2018? Or like, I don't know. I just. I mean, I guess the idea is that that stuff is plausible that we'll find on some kind of producer director's cut at some point in our lives. But this stuff, no one's going back and gonna search for the Doctor Death opening of Halloween Five if they don't do it. You Couldn't know they what I find mean? this is like some scenes from Halloween Four that if you put them into the movie, they'd make it better. Because like, all right, so let's talk about this. So you got Halloween One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Curse of Michael Myers. Halloween 1 is great. Yep. Don't touch it. Ha Halloween 2 is as good as it's ever going to be. There are fundamental problems with the script that hold it back from being truly great. Halloween 3 is a perfect film. One of the best horror movies ever made. Then you've got Halloween 4. Halloween 4 is solid. It's just, it's missing some stuff. You know, like, the mask is okay. The Michael Myers has no neck, which we talked about. There's some weird plot points. But overall, that movie is salvageable. 5 and 6, not so much. Yeah, they definitely. Tried to I mean, there's... There's fun characters in four, and and it's kind of got like some heart to it, and, yeah. and it's fun. It's a pretty good entry to the series. That's the one we got to fix. That's the one we got to figure out 
what's wrong with it figure out what they shot that we can use to fix this movie come on halloweenmovies.com let's team up we'll figure it out <laughs> drop this throw this halloween five shit in the trash no one wants to see that goofy ass mask doing this cool kill like we can watch the dark knight rises we'll get the exact same effect a guy in a goofy ass mask is gonna break someone else's back over his knee we'll figure it out that way let's look at halloween 4 and figure out what we need to do to get that at least a halloween 2 caliber i think that's that's what we should be doing we'll get the little man out douglas little i think was his name the director dougie little we'll we'll dig him up dougie little dead and we'll get him to fix it (laughs) well we'll dig him out of whatever obscure place he's living in now i haven't seen him do a movie in a while that's fair that's fair I miss, I, I missed covering Halloween. I wish that, I don't know, Universal would make another one. They're like, oh, we only made $250 million. <laughs> we. I, I think it's inevitable that we're going to get a Halloween 2019. Yeah, I hope so. I'd love to cover that. We'll talk about the movie that I reluctantly cover in a little bit. But anyways, Jordan Peele, he released this movie Us a couple weeks ago. And it just topped $150 million at the worldwide box office, George. His slasher hit continues to tether together audiences across the goddamn globe. After opening up to a massive <laughs> 70 million here in the States, 86.9 million globally, in its second weekend of release, the Lupita Nyongo star added another estimated 33.6 domestic million dollars and is now sitting at $174 million worldwide as we noted last week us should easily break 250 mil in its worldwide run which puts it neck and neck with halloween 2018 universal bringing back the horror big big game movies but the big horror guys and they're making money this is good this is only good for the genre yeah um i mean really happy to see this doing well i mean it's already made more money than get out did in its theatrical run I think that topped out like 170, 167 million. Yeah, or something that like sounds that. right. So nothing, nothing cool bad. That's that not bad. Th- <laughs> it's pretty. No, I mean that's definitely a really respectable, a really respectable run, and it was Peel's like very first attempt at, you know, directing, and it was still a hit. I mean that's why this movie was made, and this is, it's obviously shown that like his renown has been seen by the masses and people are willing to go see more of his movies which is good for everybody yeah um he said that i i forget i don't even know where i read this honestly but i know it happened i'm very confident he said that neither (laughs) get out or us he was trying to make the scariest movie of all time but the next thing he's gonna make is what he's going for and that's the movie i want to see i think that was in the um the fangoria yeah that's what it was that's i i got that that cover's really cool i like seeing the adelaide on there uh, the uh, tethered red that's her name right. red yeah so um yeah it's cool though i mean he's definitely an excellent storyteller and i'm excited to see more movies that he makes and i'm happy to see the success that us is getting since that is probably my favorite movie that came out so far this year did you see the red letter media review I didn't watch it yet. Okay, no. so they bring up a great point that like Jordan Peele can come up with these ideas, like being able to transfer brains or, you know, having a 
clone of you that kind of mimics your movements and somehow manages to get the same clothes as you living underground. You can take element like mm-hmm. wacky ass concepts like that that don't hold water when you scrutinize them because there's a, there's a lot of shit in us like you know how did they get the red jumpsuits? How did they get the scissors? How did they get the same clothes? You know like stuff like that that doesn't really hold water. But he's really good at writing right. stories that sell it to you in a way that makes you not care about that plot hole. You know. Right, not question the, not sweat the small stuff, basically, and just get lost in the overall story of everything. Yeah, exactly. So, I think he's really cool. I'd like to see more from him. It's just, it's good when horror does well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's good for everybody, and this is, so far, a palpable hit, as Shakespeare would say. Yeah. (laughs) What movie was that on? (laughs) Uh... Like Dinotopia or something? Yeah, dude, it was Dinotopia. <laughs> George and I were at 7-Eleven a long time ago. Like, probably when we were in eighth grade. And we saw the DVD for Dinotopia. And right on it, there was a quote review that said, a, a hit, a palpable hit, which was like a William Shakespeare quote. <laughs> it, like, it credited William Shakespeare, but... It's not as if he saw Dinotopia and reviewed it with that. <laughs> it was just like a quote that he said. Yeah. Like, okay. It's really weird. But <laughs> that's... <laughs> God damn it. Why did you bring that up? Anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> this is crazy news, George. This is the craziest news I've seen in a very long time. For a while now, we've been wondering who's going to be voicing Chucky in the Child's Play remake. They said it was an A-list actor at the test screenings that they did. And I I don't want to say that no one believed them because that's a little bit far from the truth. But people were skeptical. Like, what do you mean by a? -A People were expecting like a very like a very low tier A list actor. Right, but they went they went high key high tier, and they got Mark Hamill to voice Chucky in this goddamn movie. Which like, (laughs) oh my god, I I'm excited to see it now. So this is where I'm at. Like fifty percent excited hoping it'll be good and 50% excited like knowing that it'll probably be a pretty bad remake but it'll have a pretty decent chucky yeah i mean this is just like i'm still kind of in shock like i don't believe that mark hamill is actually going to voice chucky it just doesn't seem real to me <laughs> he's like, like stoked about it right like he's actually excited and he's obviously an excellent voice actor he's you know, he did Joker through the entire Batman animated series, and I'm sure he has a plethora of other voice acting credits to his name. Uh, but it's just, it's crazy that they actually got a legitimate A, <laughs> like a A-list celebrity who is a accomplished voice actor to come in and do Chucky. I didn't believe they could pull it out, and this is actually <laughs> making me excited to see this movie. That Dude, I it's a, it's I a power move. Absolutely zero interest. It's an extreme flex. It's a real power move. So, um, since I've been covering this child's play movie, because for some reason the views on it are insane, like just a little look behind the curtain for anyone who watches my YouTube channel here. I did a video the other day when this was announced, right, with Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. and that one's sitting at twenty thousand views, which is a lot um, for you know an average video. And then I did. I posted one last night where I talked about everything that was uh, talk, shown and talked about at the panel after it was announced that Mark Hamill was the voice. And that one I posted last night at 11 p.m. So in less than 24 hours, that one's gotten 10,000 views. So that's pretty good. Um, they talked about a bunch of stuff about this movie that kind of actually got me excited for it. Uh, so basically, they just asked Mark Hamill. They were like, hey, 
do you want to be Chucky? And he was like, yeah, like totally. I want to be Chucky. And they were like, oh, wait, what? Really? <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, like, I'll be Chucky. <laughs> so that just worked out for them. That's pretty cool. And then Mark Hamill, they showed a new trailer off at the WonderCon panel where at the very end of it, you hear Chucky say, good night, Andy. And it sounds mm-hmm. kind of like a cross between – It's it sounds like he's trying to do the Brad Dourif voice with a mix of the Joker. It sounds really good. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely – it, it was a movie I was not excited at all to go see, and now I'm at least going to go see it in just to see how Chucky is in it because I have absolute confidence that the voice is going to be killer. I still don't like that Don Mancini and his squad are getting fucked over, but, like, this is exciting. I mean, the, the thing is, like, the rest of this movie, like, the rest of the lead-up to it feels like a cash grab. Like, everything just seems like... They don't care. They're cobbling everything together just enough to make it so it's a functioning movie and it'll make, you know, $50 million or whatever. That they'll make a lot of profit on it because it has Child's Play in the name. This is like the first piece of news that came out about it that actually seems like they're trying to make it good. Yeah. And, you know, everyone at this panel, Aubrey Plaza said this, Gabriel Bateman said this, the writer, or no, not the writer, the producer the director they all said the reason that they're all skeptical of this movie at the very beginning like Lars Kleberg was like shit I don't want to remake Child's Play then he read the script mm-hmm. and then the producer was like yeah the script is what really sold Orion on doing this remake Aubrey Plaza was like the emotional range of my character is what got me to sign on Gabriel Bateman the emotional range of the new Andy is what got me to sign on so this this writer seems to have done such a good job that it, it kind of changed he's enchanted all these people to actually sign on and and be invested yeah the other end of that coin the other side of that coin is that he from they said that from the first meeting they had with orion where this was greenlit to the first day of shooting that time frame was less than six months so he had less than six months to write the script so that's scary (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess he did a good enough job with it that it's it's working supposedly for everybody that's on set so i guess you can really just just hope for the best at this point yeah i mean we'll find out soon enough like uh like three months now right yeah yeah it's out in june yeah two months yeah so whatever i'm excited for that that's pretty cool and then speaking of things i'm excited for featuring killer dolls annabelle comes home finally got its trailer after the most anemic fucking marketing run i've ever seen in my life (laughs) i don't understand why warner brothers is so insistent on not marketing their movies right like you've got the curse of la llorona right where this the guy who's directing the curse of la llorona is directing the conjuring three and they're pretending that it's not a conjuring movie even though they have characters from annabelle one in this movie and then they just sort of showed the movie off at South by Southwest and were like, we're not going to have anyone sign an NDA to hide the fact that it's a Conjuring movie. So I don't I don't get their approach. But anyways, we got the trailer for... No, I, I don't get the play there. Like, what, what's right. the optimum... <laughs> what's the optimum thing that happens with that? <laughs> I don't Why, I don't why hide it? Because <laughs> you'd think right off the bat, if you just say it's a Conjuring Universe movie, that makes more people go see it they don't care what it is that just makes more people go see it the proof there is that the nun is bad the nun is a bad movie it's on par with annabelle one right that movie made so much fucking money dude 
like unreal amounts of money so they know that they could put out the most piece of shit trailer of all time if people go see it but like <laughs> why wouldn't you put the conjuring name on the curse of la Llorada? that movie comes out very soon it comes out does it come out the same day as avengers if, if it does, that's a terrible idea. Hey, man, Child's Play is coming out the same day as Toy Story 4. So, you know, these horror companies are making bad decisions. But Curse of Light, Your Honor, comes out April 19th. So a week before Avengers. That's okay. a summer movie. And then we've got Annabelle Comes Home, which is also a terrible title. That comes out on June 28th. And we just got the first trailer for it. And the trailer is pretty good. Uh, I just don't like that this movie, we were just talking about this, is described as Night at the Museum with Annabelle. Why would you describe your horror movie like that? <laughs> as like a Ben Stiller comedy, but with a killer doll. <laughs> There's so many better ways. It's like it's like an episode, it's like the Annabelle episode of Ghost Adventures. That's all you have to say. People will get that. Right. <laughs> so basically the plot for this movie, we've talked about it a couple times, but if you're a newer listener, I don't think you've heard us talk about it, is that... It's kind of a it, this one is the most conjuring spin-off of these movies because it does feature Ed and Lorraine Warren and it takes place in their house between the conjuring and the conjuring 2. They bring Annabelle home in the beginning of the conjuring 1 and then Annabelle still got the spirit inside of her. She's still evil. So she kind of takes command of all of the different artifacts and possessed items in the Warren's house and terrorizes their daughter and her babysitter. So the the premise is cool. Uh, it's also Gary Doberman, who we've talked about ad nauseum. It's his first directorial mm-hmm. role. So I think this could be pretty cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. Um, like I, like we were saying, uh, that description of the plot isn't doesn't really grab me. But when I actually watch the trailer, there are a few good scares in it already. And I can tell that it's going to be, at, at the very least, at least be pretty scary which is all i can hope for right it's i hope it's good i really like annabelle i love giving them the benefit of the doubt with these movies just because i don't know remember i still remember when me and you went to see the conjuring and how much fun that was yeah and, and i mean this cinematic universe is like the closest thing maybe that will ever get to like the horror equivalent of the avengers or like the marvel cinematic universe so I'm happy to support movies in that because I think that's a cool concept and no one else is really pushing it that way. It just bums me out that James Wan didn't stick around to finish out the trilogy. Uh, and that... I, I Not not anything against the director of The Conjuring 3, who's the director of The Curse of La Llorona. Um, but right. I just would have liked to see James Wan finish that out. I know that he's got Aquaman and stuff, but... I, I just I don't think he should have ever made a sequel to The Conjuring One if he didn't plan on finishing out a trilogy on his own. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him kind of like obviously any of the spinoffs. You know, you can have other people take those on, but I would have liked to seen him at least do all the main tent poles of The Conjuring. You know, Conjuring One, Two, Three, Four, however many they do. Yeah, It'd be nice to see him go in and do those. And I think we are. Personally, I think we are getting to a point where there are too many of these Conjuring movies because this is the third Annabelle movie. We've got The Conjuring 3 coming out in September of 2020. That was just announced at CinemaCon. You've got The Crooked Man in development. Like, there's just, in The Curse of La Llorona, there's just a lot going on there. I just wish... Uh, right. We had The Nun. 
I mean, it's like there's yeah. there's definitely a lot that they're trying to connect. The Nun will get a sequel to, for to, sure. Yep. So <laughs> there's gonna be no shortage of movies in the Conjuring cinematic universe coming up. Yeah, and so speaking of the Conjuring three though, at CinemaCon it was announced that uh, it's coming out again on September 11th of 2020, and there were some plot points talked about at this panel at CinemaCon. It's going to be about a man on trial for murder who claims he was possessed by a demon. And while uh, Bloody Disgusting is unsure if it's going to be inspired by true events, they know that the Warrens will be investigating. And it sort of reminds the writer of the film W.E.R. in uh, which a lawyer investigates her client's claims that he's a werewolf. All right, George. So what do you think of the premise of The Conjuring 3 being about a guy who's on trial for murder who says he was possessed by a ghost? Uh, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, I don't, uh, I'm not in love with the idea, but I don't think it's a bad premise. Like, I think that the reason that the original, the first two contract movies work is kind of both because of the demon and, like, the setting, and then it affected, like, a family. So I don't know how it'll work without a haunted house or a family that the Warrens are going to center around which seems like kind of integral, but um, I'm not willing to write it off yet. I mean, I think that's kind of a cool premise, but it just doesn't feel like the first two. So I'm thinking that like the, the movie's uh, timeline will be the court case, right? Mm -hmm. But then the offshoot will be flashbacks to an investigation of the house. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, if they do something like that, I could see it working. Where the guy was like, possessed or whatever or even they're investigating it to try and prove whether or not he was haunted hired by his lawyer maybe right they they go to the house or whatever that he was in and they find evidence of something and have to fight off the demon and and perform an exorcism in the middle of the trial (laughs) yeah exactly so i don't know i i'm excited i really like seeing vera farmiga and patrick wilson together it's cool that we're gonna get to see them not only this year but also next year i think that's pretty sweet yeah, um, the more of them that we see in these Conjuring movies, the better, because they really are, like, the best actors in the series, probably. Um, it's just, it's cool to see them kind of still sticking with this franchise, and, and I'm excited to see what Conjuring 3 is all about. Yeah, me too. But if that Annabelle isn't, like, the haunted doll for you, I guess, Bram's <laughs> The Boy 2 is coming back this summer. Which is crazy. It's coming on <laughs> July 26th. I feel like they just announced this movie, that they were even filming it. But it turns out that they're almost done working on fucking The Boy 2. And it's coming out real soon. <laughs> and the plot synopsis is that, unaware of the terrifying history of the Heelshire Mansion, a young family moves into the estate where their young son soon makes an unsettling new friend. An eerily lifelike doll that he calls Brams. So, I like that. I like that setup because I think what we guessed was that um the parents or whatever would still be in the house maybe and that it would just be a retread of the first boy but this seems legitimately different right this is like you bring a whole family in as opposed to somebody coming in and watching the doll that everybody knows is a real person this is like they all come into the house they're settling in it's like a haunted house movie where they're gonna hear weird creaks and stuff in the night and then they're going to see some creepy shots of Bram in the hallway or whatever. And then there's going to be the final confrontation with the, like, human Brams, which 
won't be as good of a reveal the second time around, but I could still see it being creepy and, and working a little bit. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, we got to see this, right? Like, yeah, that's definitely. coming out right around your birthday. So. Yeah, day after. That'll so, <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> to me, come, I guess. <laughs> maybe I'll come to Michigan and we can go see it for your birthday. <laughs> I'll buy you a ticket to see Brams, too. Brams, the boy, too. <laughs> I mean, that honestly, would be so bad of a gift. Honestly, I really like The Boy One. Like, it's not a great movie, but I have a lot of fun with The Boy One, and I still. Yeah, we had it. a great time when we went and saw it. Remember, we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. <laughs> Which, guys, okay, that sounds pretty dumb. We went to the Cheesecake Factory at Thousand Oaks Mall, but the Cheesecake Factory is a hot commodity in Michigan. It's not there, so it just opened. We got in on a night where the wait time wasn't too bad, and then we went and saw The Boy. It was a great night. Yeah, I mean, gotta love the boy. It's just, it's just a fun, fun movie all around. I think I need to rewatch the boy. It's been too long. I haven't seen it since we saw it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I really want to see that again. So, so if you have a free hour it's and a, weird a half, world. that's the one. That's what you should spend it on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. So, speaking of weirdness, George, Jim Jaramusch is uh, directing a new movie, I guess, with Bill Murray, and it's a zombie movie. And it's coming out in June, and it's called The Dead Don't Die. And we got a trailer for it. It's got a bunch of people in it. It's got Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, Caleb Landry-Jones, Rosie Perez, Iggy Pop, Sarah Driver, RZA, Ariza, Selena Gomez, Carol Kane, and Tom Waltz. It's an all-star cast. It's coming out on June 14th. It looks pretty crazy. Yeah, um, a lot of people in that movie. <laughs> it seems like when you lead with just who's in it, that's not a great indication that the movie's going to be good. But I think there are definitely a few really strong actors in there between Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi. I think those people could carry the movie alone. So I hope that these other characters are kind of like cameo roles or something. Uh, yeah. Akin to like when Bill Murray was in Zombieland 1. I think it'd be kind of fun to see like these other pop stars and stuff along the way, but I'd pref- but it looks like from the trailer that we've seen and stuff, it's mostly Adam Driver and Bill Murray hanging out, and then possibly we'll see, you know, they'll pick up maybe some of the other actors along the way. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely check this out. It just seems like a fun project, not necessarily trying to be the best movie ever made, but it looks like a cool zombie movie, I guess. Yeah. I- <laughs> so. I mean, it's, I, don't know. it's I, I think it's definitely too. leaning more in like horror comedy, especially with Bill Murray attached to it, where it won't be as serious a take. Like, so I don't know if we'll yeah. get any decent gore. It'll probably be mostly jokes and and kind of played for laughs. So, I mean, I I'm a fan of a lighthearted zombie movie. I'll see this. Yeah, me too. But I'm way more excited for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Definitely. <laughs> this new trailer you put in here, it's scored by Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's 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 a very corporate trailer. Like, I don't think it's a very good trailer, but it shows off a bunch of new footage of the monsters in the movie. And I think this movie's scale is going to be insane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, not only did we get this trailer that showed off a lot more of the monsters that we've seen... Um, but we got a second TV spot that says that there are 17 monsters and counting in this movie. So Jesus, (laughs) I mean, I thought the like four that we've seen so far would be enough to fill the entire, like, I assume at least two hour runtime of this movie. But the fact that there are 17 of these is really 
kind of insane. <laughs> I think it's awesome that they directly address the one complaint people had about the Godzilla of 2014 is that there are only two monsters in it. You know, like... Right. I think it's cool that they're like, all right, we're throwing everything. We got Mothra, we got Rodan, we got King Ghidorah, we got Godzilla, we got everybody, and plus more. I think this is going to be a great movie. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the budget for this movie is, but these trailers look absolutely insane, where I, I feel like the movie's going to start with like five minutes of exposition of leading up to it, and then it's just going to be two hours <laughs> of monsters beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> like, from what we've seen Do in these you... trailers, it's just... Do you Insane. think King Kong's going to be in it? Like, do you think they'll do an after credits teaser for Kong versus Godzilla? Or do you think... I'd be into that. King Kong will show up in this. You know, it's tough to say. Because we know that that's, that's the next movie. Like, uh, Adam Wingard's doing Kong versus Godzilla right now. Right. I mean, I'd say it's definitely not out of the question to have him in the movie. Especially if mm-hmm. they're planning on this doing really well financially. They'd probably want to boost up the king kong on screen because i'm not sure if skull island did very well so uh no it's skull island did fairly well like it made money yeah um it just didn't have a good script remember like my god i mean still like if you're going to introduce a movie of those two fighting each other you'd probably want to set the stage with those two together at some point and this seems like it would be the place to do it yeah, I wonder when Kong vs. Godzilla is going to take place because it could be a prequel, you know? Like, it could show why Godzilla went to sleep and then woke up in 2014 because, um, you know, Kong Sky Island takes place in World like War the, II. Yeah. Yeah. Or a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting I don't know. To see what I'm really t- excited. Or if, like, they go to the um, King Kong Island because they need help like mothra's down or something and they know from their research that there was another part of what do they call it? it's like project monolith monarchy yeah so it's like yeah maybe they'll look through those files and see it's connected and go over there and try to recruit king yeah. kong as well i don't know that'd be cool I don't know. It's a cool universe they're building regardless that's what is exciting about all this i mean it's just cool because we don't get a lot of big monster movies we don't get like these huge scale like monster fighting movies anymore so yeah i don't know why it's taken so long to get it right but it seems like they finally figured out that these have to be like the humans have to be secondary characters to the monsters and that the monsters need to be on a like a massive scale right they're the monsters have to take center stage and all the actors just basically have to make the world believable enough for the monsters to be fighting each other in yeah i i'm excited to see the return of thick godzilla though yeah dude every time he does the uh the atomic breath with the glowing blue scales on his back it gives me chills yeah dude i'm excited i think that's <laughs> gonna be a pretty good movie and i also think that uh extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile is gonna be pretty good we got a new trailer for that since netflix scooped it up it's coming out on may 3rd what do you think of this trailer? Because you, this is more your wheelhouse. You're really into the serial killer stuff. Uh, I thought it actually looked really good. Um, it's basically a. Um, it starts off with Ted Bundy talking to his girlfriend at the time, um, and she's basically asking him if he did it or not, and he's 
saying that it, you know, it's not him. And they kind of cut between some court footage and him meeting some of his victims and, and kind of setting the stage. It, it definitely portrays, um, like him being more of like sinister or having like these darker intentions hidden behind his like good looking facade, which we didn't really get too much of in the other trailers. So I think this one is definitely the best uh showcase of probably what the movie is going to be as opposed to those earlier ones we got yeah i i think this will be a pretty cool movie i really like these biopics of serial killers and i like this different angle that this one seems to be taking uh i really want this to be good yeah personally uh i mean i think it it won like some stuff at sundance and i think the early buzz around it at the festival circuit has been pretty good um you know it's kind of nice when Netflix doesn't actually make the movie because there's a chance for it to be good since a lot of their like in-house stuff hasn't been great in terms of horror. So I I trust this more than if Netflix came out and said they were making it. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad they just are distributing it because Netflix's in-house produced movies are largely terrible. You're right. (laughs) We don't need to talk about open house. Oh my God, dude. I, Fuck. Every time someone brings that movie up, I'm like, why would anyone watch that? Come on. My favorite Netflix horror movie is 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to check this out. May 3rd isn't too far away. Yeah, so right around the corner. See on Netflix. But it looks really good. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and we also got a full episode of The Twilight Zone, which is only available on CBS All Access. Did you watch this yet? Yeah, so I've watched the first two episodes. Um, okay, so you watched it. Is yeah. it good? Um, so the one that's available for everybody to watch, um, The Comedian is starring Kuwal Najiani, and that's available on CBS All Access's YouTube channel. You can watch the first episode. Just It's free to just go to their YouTube channel and watch it. Um, the other one is the remake of Terror at uh, 20,000, or Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, but this one's featuring... Uh, Adam Scott like doing the bootleg how was that one (laughs) Uh, I heard that one's pretty good yeah they're they're both good I think that the comedian is a little bit better and it definitely fits the idea of those old school Twilight Zone um stories in my opinion um I mean like I don't really want to spoil it but basically the idea is Kamala Gianni is a struggling comedian and he meets this kind of mysterious figure who is this really huge comedian he kind of lets him know you know if you want to be successful you got to like let people in and and joke about like yourself or things around you but like everything has a cost to it so whatever he jokes about in his life so uh that eventually that like gets erased from the timeline so he makes a joke about his dog and people love it they're laughing their heads off but then he goes home and he's gonna walk the dog and the dog never existed anymore because he joked about it and so it's like, how far does he want to take? Like, what will he sacrifice to become successful? That's cool. I like that. That's very Twilight Zone esque. Yeah, that's good. That it definitely like fits that. the how tone. Big of a, how big of a part is Jordan Peele playing in this? Um. So his parts so far in the first two episodes are, uh, he basically bookends the episodes. So he comes in, um, like a little bit after the episode starts, kind of sets the stage tells you the the overarching story of what's going to happen in the episode. And then at the very end, he kind of comes in and, and closes it off and, and kind of lets you know 
you know how how it worked and, and that kind of thing so he's he just kind of comes in at the near the beginning and at the very end of the episode to close it out so you subscribe to the cbs all access for this um, there is a one week free trial and I think, so the first uh, two episodes are up now and then I think they're doing one episode a week, like on Thursdays or something going forward. Okay, cool. So I think I'll definitely end up checking this out. You think it was worth it? Uh, yeah. I mean, so far I really like the first two episodes. I've seen, uh, like a few mixed, mixed reactions to it, but I think so far. Yeah, I, I've seen people saying they're too long. Uh, I think that's the big I can kind of see that, like... They definitely take a little while to get going. Um, this one more so than the Nightmare of the 30,000 Feet. But um, I, I thought they were both actually really cool and probably worth you getting a CBS All Access subscription, as crazy as that is. Okay. I'll check <laughs> it out. You convinced me. <laughs> so the last news story, George, this week is that Ash vs. Evil Dead is the latest horror property being included in dead by daylight and it's kind of just funny it's very thematic they go they get these huge horror franchises in this game right right and they always go for either the worst movie in the franchise like the remake or like h20 and now they're going for a canceled tv show but they've got the old version of ash included in the game as a survivor this time instead of a killer that's kind of interesting and they got bruce campbell to provide some voice lines for him which is crazy it's just weird I mean, that character, Ash, is so connected to Bruce Campbell that you have to have him voice it. If you had anybody else yeah. do it, it just would not work at all. Right. It's just, it's weird that this is kind of like the send-off for Ash, for us. <laughs> you know, like, this is probably the last time we'll see him. I mean, that's that's kind of sad, like, honestly. Unless we ever get that, um, that Evil Dead 2 that was teased at the end uh, of the remake. I hope that happens, dude. I mean, we. I need Jane Levy to be included in a movie again. I mean, we saw Bruce Campbell at the end of the, right before the credits or the mid-credit roll or something for that movie. So, I mean, I'd be all all in for that. I'd I'd love to see them tackle Evil Dead Two with Jane Levy and Bruce Campbell. I think that would be the proper send-off if you're gonna do anything. Um, yeah, that movie made a ton of money. It made like 175 million. So I don't know why they've been dragging their feet so long, but. Betty Alvarez just wrapped up The Girl in the Spider's Web, which I don't know why the fuck they had him direct that. <laughs> but he's also working on Don't Breed 2, and he said he would work on Evil Dead 2. So hopefully that happens soon. We got to start a Kickstarter for him. We got to be able to write the check. He's just such a <laughs> fucking talented horror director. Yeah. I don't understand. And, and I'm, excited. A... I'm excited for uh, Don't Breathe 2 because he's attached to it. Not right. right because like everything else about that doesn't seem like it would work, but I feel like he is a good enough director and visionary to kind of make it all mesh, even if it seems like it wouldn't really work from there. Yeah, so I'm gonna watch Don't Breathe after I watch The Boy because that movie's awesome. And yeah. summer's kicking up; it's a great summer movie. Um, that's gonna be it for this week's news segment. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back talking about Chud and Castle Freak. All right, so we're back from a quick break here, and Joe Bob's new show finally started. And the first movie he uh, presented this week as a horror host was Chud. And the description 
George wrote here is that a bizarre series of sudden disappearances on the streets of New York City seems to point towards something unsavory living in the sewers. And this movie is nuts because it has a lot of the cast of the Home Alone in it. Yeah. It's got John Hurd. It's got uh, Marv. No, Harry. No. One of the wet bandits. One? I don't know which. One of the wet bandits. Not Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, not Joe Pesci. Forgot his name. But what'd you think of this movie? This was actually my first time seeing it in a long time. Um, but I, I think this is a really fun movie. I think Chud is a cool story. I think the monsters are designed cool. I like the really big, kind of creepy, light-up eyes and and the like very scaly, sewer-person skin. I think the movie does have some plot issues where it's not really quite sure where it wants to go sometimes or or who the main character <laughs> yeah. is but joe bob really nailed it he was like he's like there's so much melodrama melodrama there's no chemistry between the love interests like there's this whole subplot that's basically just chewing the fat and filling time you right. also don't really see any of the chud monsters i got the same effect out of this that i got when i watched the joe bob version of reanimator where i legitimately learned something i never noticed like he talked about how reanimator didn't have a single exterior shot in it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Right. And this is talking about how you don't even see a full-bodied chud. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So as far as the Joe Bob element goes, like, I've seen chud before, and I've always just thought it's okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of fun that they included it in us on that shelf at the beginning. Because right. us is very clearly inspired by chud. But getting that Joe Bob, that extra little bit of flair, made it really fun to watch. You know, it's... You talked about that with Legend of Boggy Creek, where you're like, that movie sucks, but it was fun to hear Joe Bob talk between it and bring some new light to it. Right, and he definitely is, you know, as good now as he's ever been. He has these really, you know, long monologues and, and just kind of facts and figures about all the actors in it, and it's just really interesting to hear him talk about it, and <laughs> I think he gave Chud a, a two, two out of four, <laughs> so he wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. <laughs> But I mean, Ch- I don't, I don't love Chud. I like Chud. I think it's <laughs> worth watching. Uh, there was a weird. I want to say Criterion did a re-release of it. There was a really, or maybe it was Arrow Video or something. But people I, lost their minds over Chud. I, I think Criterion said they were going to do one, but it was an April Fool's joke. I think Joe Bob said something <laughs> about that, and then yeah. another company actually did pick it up and do a Blu-ray re- release of it. So I think I there think is arrow or shout. Yeah, so I think there is an actual updated, like up-res Blu-ray version of Chud out there. If you're a Chud head. Yeah, I, with the Arrow video re-releases or the Shout Factory, Scream Factory ones, it's always weird when those happen because because they decided to re-release these movies, it feels like people suddenly find them worth caring about that never talked about them before. Right. You know, they're like, oh, it's getting re-released. I have to act like I was the biggest fan, of <laughs> but. I don't know. I think Chud's okay. Uh, what was your favorite part? I mean, I like the scenes kind of near the end of the movie where the Chuds actually come up through the apartment building, and there's the confrontation. Yeah, that was mine too. Um, with uh, the the female love interest, where she <laughs> like you see these swords on the wall the entire movie, and you're like, why do they have these swords on the wall? And then she cuts the Chud's <laughs> arm off with it, and you're like, okay, that's pretty sweet. Like. When it actually gets going, I think there are some pretty uh, fun moments, and I think the creatures are designed well. Um, I, I mean, it's not the best movie in the world, but I, I like it. I think it's a, I think it's a fun time. Yeah, he said. Joe Bob said 
that they were like, okay, you got to start with an 80s movie and we, we want you to start with Chud. And you know that's because they got the inside scoop that Us right. was kind of pulling from Chud. And it's very and timely because that. of that. And I think a lot of people will watch it just because they saw that in the intro to Us and they want to see what, you know, what the similarity is, what the reference is in that movie. Did you watch it live or did you watch it on demand after? I watched it live. So I watched it after. Did you have like a whole viewing party or anything or did you just watch it by yourself? I watched it um, alone. Had a couple couple hams and, and just kind of sat down and watched it from like 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. <laughs> and just had myself a Joe <laughs> Bob night. That's awesome. That's what I did too. I was playing Fallout on my computer on my laptop and then I had this up on the TV and it was really fun. It's just such... I'd already seen Chud. I think that's just such a cool way to watch it. Like, having an actual late night, it comes on at 9 o'clock, you know, you go on the Shutter app, you pull it up, and you can just watch it in real time with Joe Bob. I mean, the commercial breaks are just <laughs> Joe Bob. I think that's just so awesome. I love that experience of watching it live, you know, along. Yeah, and I liked his banter with Darcy in this this uh, show version. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. How she had her like earbuds in and was ignoring him and shit. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> they definitely have um, some funny banter and, and they seem to get along well. So I think I wasn't quite sure how well that would work. I mean, not that they were ever bad together in any of the previous uh, Shutter Joe Bob collaborations, but you can see that they definitely have a good rapport between them and, and they work as a host co-host situation. Yeah, I I think it's funny how we're on the third last drive-in. It's just, it's funny. It's like Shudder's got this original that they just kind of like stumbled into. And they're doing a really good job with it. You can tell that it's made on a pretty cheap budget. Like this one font, the one we used for fear and fear frequency, (laughs) everyone uses it now. And I saw it pop up in the intro for this show. It's just bizarre how like (laughs) the sets all look great. But then you see the like graphics package they've got going on and you're reminded like, you know, Shudder's getting down and dirty with this shit. And I, I think that's pretty cool. Right. Um, you know, you can kind of tell that they put their money in where it counts. They make sure the set looks good. They got Joe Bob. I hope they're giving him a decent decent check every week. And, I mean, to be fair, the set does look amazing. Um, you know, like, they even had some fun stuff before the, the show started where they had a, um, like, if you just went on the Shutter channel waiting for Joe Bob to start, they had, like, a live cam of the Joe Bob's lizard with the hat on. And it was just like watching him go around the little cage before the show started. So they, <laughs> they just have like cool. fun stuff like that, which I appreciate. I I agree. That's really cool. And then something I learned in the Fangoria article from issue two was that they shot this in a huge airplane hangar and that he went and brought back a lot of the same people who worked on Monster Vision with him, uh, who shot that show. And they shot this down in Texas and everything. So they shot it exactly how Joe Bob wanted it to be. And I think that's pretty cool. And the second movie he showed was Castle Freak, which personally I had never heard of it, which made made me so much more excited to watch it because it was a new movie and a new like commentary from Joe Bob all all in one. I think I liked Castle Freak more than Chud. Yeah, I agree. Um, This is another Stuart Gordon picture. So um, one of his like Lovecraftian trilogy, I guess, with. Uh, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. So they did Reanimator, Castle Freak, and From Beyond, I think was the third one. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so this is based on a Lovecraftian story called The Outsider about a um, deformed monster who 
is kept locked in the basement of a castle his whole life, and then he comes to the surface and realizes that he's a monster. Uh, <laughs> and, and I thought this was actually a really fun adaptation of that. Like, I thought that this was done really well. Yeah, because that's sort of what he did. Like, at the time, it was modern adaptations of Lovecraftian stories, right? Right. That was kind of Stuart Gordon's shtick, and he's obviously done it really well with Reanimator being his, like, the movie he's probably most famous for and an all-time yeah, classic. Yeah, is amazing. Yeah. And but it's cool that the, he uses the kind of the same cast between these three movies with, like, Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs. Like, they just seem to all work really well together. Yeah, the weirdest twist this movie takes is I think, like, halfway through, the castle freak himself learns about, like, sex, but he has no, yeah. no penis. <laughs> but you see his, like, ball sack hanging out for, like, half the movie. And his cut-off dick. He ends up biting, like, a hooker's nipple off, which is insane. And the the effects were really good. Like, it looked like he bit her nipple off. And, you know, any movie with Jeffrey Combs in it, I'm immediately down to watch. Because that dude is just such a good actor. Oh, yeah. He sells every performance he's in. That guy's like a psychopath. Man. Yeah, and he's like an absolute <laughs> tortured soul in this movie where you could, just, like, everything in his yeah. life is just anguish and pain. And he just really plays it so perfectly. It's in, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> his whole setup is like he I, I didn't get the context behind it i couldn't tell if he's like on drugs or drunk or something but he ends up rolling the car with his wife who's barbara crampton and child in the car and um i guess his kid dies and he also has a blind daughter too well his <laughs> his accident he was driving home drunk and he crashes oh, the so car he was drunk. okay with his daughter and his son in the back seat and the car crash blinds his daughter and kills his son yeah so there's this whole arc where like barbara crampton's holding us against him and she's saying she wishes he died in this accident yeah. i mean just it's pretty dark it's bleak yeah i mean it's it's kind of uh different than the roles we normally see barbara crampton in because she's kind of both the motherly role and she's so like she's not played as really like the sex symbol and she's not really played as the love interest she's like kind of a you know she's like mean to jeffrey combs and She's trying to take care of her family, and it's just kind of, it's very different than what we normally see her in. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a different role. It was weird to see her playing the mom role and not the, like, femme fatale, you know? Right. But but I think she did play it well. I mean, um, this movie really delivered where I wasn't, you know, I, I knew Stuart Gordon is a good director, and it seems like, you know, with all the cast and everything, how could it go wrong? But I just, you know, I'd never heard of it, so I thought maybe this was kind of lost in the annals of history for a reason but i, I thought it, it was actually really good i agree i think I, I would watch it again it was a new movie for me i've seen from beyond and i've seen reanimator but i had never heard of this which is weird because i've seen reanimator so many times and i've researched the hell out of that movie i absolutely love it but this this fit right in with it and i think it's definitely worth checking out i i'd give this one like a three out of four stars or three out of five yeah, um, I think it definitely has some really good gore in it. Like, like you were saying, the the scenes of him of the castle freak actually attacking the hooker look very <laughs> realistic. I mean, it's very in your face. Uh, he has like the makeup on him looks good. He's like very slimy and bloody and kind of disgusting to look at. Um, and it and uh, Jonathan Fuller, who plays the castle freak, plays him really well, even though he can't really talk because he's in like this. He goes all out rubber suit and makeup, but like. <laughs> You could tell the brutality of him. He's, like, whipping Jeffrey Combs with chains and stuff. Like, you know, he really goes all cool. out. His weapon was, like, the chain. That was <laughs> awesome. And I, I didn't... I, was it... 
So was the castle Stuart Gordon's castle or was it the producer's castle? The castle, whatever the um, the company was that produced it, the guy who owns it had that castle and started filming movies in it. Yeah, he was like, I've got this castle. I'll just start <laughs> filming movies. It's weird because I think it's the same producer behind Reanimator who like uh, Stuart Gordon owed him a favor. So he was like, okay, you can't shoot outside. Like you got to make this as cheap as possible. So the dude seems like a total cheap ass, but it keeps working out for him. Yeah, I mean, he's got a castle, so <laughs> he's, he's making some kind of money. It's pretty dope he bought a castle. I want a castle. <laughs> I don't think you could get good internet at a castle, though. No, I think the, the stone walls would, would definitely interrupt the Wi-Fi signals. Yeah, you think? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so Joe Bob's show's off to a great start. It's every week until may double features every friday starting at 6 p.m pacific and 9 p.m uh eastern are you just gonna stick with it and watch it live every friday yeah i'm gonna try my hardest to watch it live every week i'm gonna have to come in to the second movie every week and then go back and watch the first movie on demand because i get off work usually around six i mean at least i do a good when it starts a good job of like putting them up the next day you can watch them all and they're, you know, they're separated and segmented and everything. So you don't really miss anything by not watching it the night of. It's just, you know. Yeah, Shutter kind of scared me. They were making it seem like they weren't going to put them all on demand until the whole thing was over. Mm-hmm. But they're both up there the next day. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I mean, other than a few kind of issues with the Shutter app itself where... It... Oh, yeah. How is the stream? How did that compare to the other ones? Um. I, I mean, I had it, it didn't go down ever, which is an improvement, um, but I had the app kind of, like, stop, and I had to, like, back out of the video and come back in, like, maybe three or four times throughout the, like, okay. four hours, so, you know, not not the worst, not the worst ratio in the world, but um, the shutter app could definitely use a, a little bit of tweaking just to make it all kind of function a little bit better, but the stream didn't go down, I was able to watch it as soon as it went up. I know there was some issues with the Amazon Fire Stick, but they fixed that within the first, like, 20 minutes. Like, I think they fixed that by the time um, Chud started. So they they are definitely quick to respond if there's issues the night that Joe Bob goes live. Yeah, I was just going to say, I hope this is a sign of them. Like, I hope that it working is a sign of them figuring it out more than a sign of um, less people watching. Yeah, I mean, they were very quick to respond um, on their Twitter, and their Twitter was really active all night. I mean, they were retweeting, like, Barbara Crampton was tweeting about her interview with Joe Bob, and Shudder was, like, tweeting GIFs and everything throughout the whole um, the whole stream. So they seem very much into it, and, and that's cool to see them as excited as the fans are. I agree. That's that's what I want to see out of this. I, I'm just glad. I hope it keeps going. I hope it gets a season two or whatever, and it just keeps going and going and going as long as it can. Yeah, as long I as... like Joe Bob's The Last Drive-In. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as he's willing to do them, I'm willing to watch them. So they can have my $5 a month if that means I get more Joe Bob. I agree, and I think a lot of people agree with you on that. So that's all I have for this week on um, Joe Bob Briggs' The Last Drive-In. Next week we'll be talking about Pet Cemetery, which is awesome. Um, I'm really excited for that. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Uh, you, you're excited for Pet Cemetery, right? Yeah, definitely really excited for it. Um uh, trailers look great i'm gonna try to see it um maybe thursday or friday it just depends on on how antsy i am 
There just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hype for it, which is kind of making me nervous. Have you noticed that? Like, the trailers make it look great, but right. people just don't seem to give a shit. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a ton of, like, people ready to rush out for it. Like, um, I haven't seen a lot of buzz for it on Twitter, but I'm definitely excited for it. And I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I just don't know if it's going to make a big splash or not. I hope it does because it looks good and it's... I just think there's probably a lot of diehard fans of the original that are possibly like boycotting it or or don't want to support it because they like that one so much. But I, uh, you kind of have to set that aside and give this one a chance. I agree. I'm really excited to check it out. Um, I'm glad that they're including the Wendigo this time around as the catalyst. So one thing we'll talk about it more next week. Yeah, one thing just real quick. I, I know you've been reading the book in preparation. Is there any of that? like Wendigo occult stuff in the book. Yeah. So the, the 1989 movie kind of just ignored it, which is weird because the Wendigo is sort of the connective tissue. It's sort of the catalyst for everything that happens in the story. Basically what happened was there, there was this tribe of native Americans and they obviously believed in the Wendigo and the Wendigo rolled through town one year and basically turned all these people into cannibals. So in Another move, it soured their burial ground. So when they buried the bodies of the people that were eaten there, they came back to life possessed by the Wendigo, which means they're like hungry for human flesh. Because basically what Wendigo is, it's uh, it's like an allegory for gluttony and greed. Mm-hmm. They, they, they like eat people. And when they eat a person, they grow proportionally to the meal that they've eaten. So they're never full. And they're really mean-spirited bad guys or cryptids or whatever so the wendigo in pet cemetery it like fucks with judd to make judd uh go against his better instincts and to tell lewis about the pet cemetery to bring church there so it also it it gets church killed too Mm -hmm. and then once church is buried there it controls church into luring one of lewis creed's kids out into the road so he'll bury a kid there and then the kid can come back and get the white it's like it's right it's, all it's like, like a the, it's all the wendigo right it's like a feeding but circle the, for him he's hungry so he's causing these he, things so that he can keep eating the bodies and growing yeah and eventually it goes beyond that where like the wendigo is just doing it to have fun because he realizes <laughs> he can like exploit lewis creed's grief because this guy is just like so fucked up mm-hmm. over grief he's like willing to bring his daughter back or son back depending on the movie and everything and they don't you don't actually see the wendigo which is a weird thing like they go out into the woods they hear like crashing of trees and um laughter and stuff from the Mm. woods but you don't actually see it i think i think that's what the movie's doing too i'm pretty sure yeah because what we just see the the picture of it in the book or something when john lithgow is flipping through it but it'll be cool um i think it'd be cool to see a wendigo on screen and I'm, i'm excited to see um their adaptation yeah so i'm seeing it tomorrow um, I'm going to post a review right after I see it. So check on my channel for that, people. Um, that's all I got this week, though. You got anything? Nope. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>